Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. West Coast road trip, anyone? After two pretty soft opponents at home, Mel Tucker and the number 11 Michigan State Spartans are heading to Washington this weekend for a very interesting matchup with a rejuvenated Husky squad. It's the first major test for the 2022 Spartans in a game that will certainly give Spartan fans and the rest of the country an idea of just where they do stack up nationally. We will look ahead to the Power 5 showdown and look back at the good and bad of Michigan State's 52 to nothing win over Akron on episode 84 of MLive Spartan Confidential Podcast. Brandon Champion, Kyle Austin, and Matt Wenzel with you on Wednesday, September 14th, 2022. Matt, how's it going? Uh, I know you're a notoriously late Packer, but uh, have you ever been to Seattle before? Uh, I have not. The closest I've been, I guess, would be San Francisco, uh, but I've never really been to the Pacific Northwest. Um, looking forward to it. Um, Husky Stadium's always been one of those places that looked incredibly unique, such a cool place to go. Um, so I've always wanted to see that. Um, my travel, my itinerary probably won't allow me to see much of uh, the Seattle area, but um, so I'll just be there for the game. But it uh, looks like a really great place to play with the, you know, right on the lake and or the Bay of Lake Washington, what Union Bay or whatever it is. So uh, the sail gating is what they call it, I believe. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, awesome. Looks like an awesome place to be. I hope the game you get to watch on Saturday is better than the one you got to watch when you went to San Francisco last time. Oh, God. Yeah. God. It's been a couple pods since we mentioned yeah. the Red Box. Yeah. Bowl, Can you so not? What did, I, <laughs> what did I tell you about bringing up the Red Box ball on this podcast, Kyle? Like, come on, man. Uh, Matt, I feel like this is one of those where you got to like sneak out there a day early, man, and check out. Yeah, I would have. But I mean, the flights were, they weren't any cheaper going out Thursday, and they don't give you that hotel room for free just because you're staying two nights. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I would have like to um i'm still kicking myself the uh, holiday bowl in san diego i left the day after uh, a couple of my much wiser counterparts stayed an extra day so uh yeah idiot move uh, on that one and and this trip uh 6 a.m flight back on sunday morning so ouch you will have slept one hour <laughs> you better start sleep banking now. It, hey i'm yeah. trying <laughs> Kyle, we've already heard from him. Uh, anything catch your eye from last weekend's games? Obviously, a couple upsets. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, shoot. I mean, where to begin? I mean, one, one of the crazier weekends. Um, like I, I thought, Bama was going down for a while, um, and they should have. I mean, getting a little off topic here, but man, Quinn Ewers, uh, really good looking for a little while there. Um, Texas A and M. I'm sure everybody feels terrible for them going down. Um, yeah. And um, yeah, it, 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 it's going to be a fun season. 
Absolutely. Don't forget our boy Scott Frost uh, going down to Scott Georgia Frost Southern there. Notre Dame, Notre Dame falling too a little closer to home. So there you go. Okay, that's why we love college football, man. Just the chaos. You never know when it's going to come. A week can look like a down week and then it turns into uh, craziness. Uh, obviously, Michigan State fans will hope uh, this weekend doesn't turn into craziness in terms of the trip to Washington. Uh, appreciate everyone for listening. We'll get into that game here in a bit. If you could please like, rate, and review the podcast, check out our work, all our preview coverage at MLive.com slash Spartans, and hit us up on Twitter with questions, comments, concerns. Uh, you know where to find us. So let's get into it. We'll touch on Washington in a bit here, Matt. Uh, briefly, let's book, look back to Saturday. Michigan State takes care of business against Akron, as expected. Not much of a ball game. Um, if you want to look at the, uh, you know, the good first, because there was a whole lot of good, obviously, winning 52 to nothing. Uh, I mean, the run game really got going um, against the Zips. And if you're Michigan State, you got to feel good knowing that you have two running backs that you feel pretty good about putting out there. Yeah, I mean, I think the the backfield's kind of sorted itself out how we expected. I think we talked about this last week, but Berger and Broussard being the top guys, um, second straight game over 100 for for Berger. So that's obviously a good sign. We saw a little bit uh, more from Broussard than I think than, than week one, you know, they combined for five touchdowns and all, I mean, six, six scores on the ground and what none was three yards, the longest of, of all of them. So it was really, you know, it was a good game running the ball for them. Um, and I like, you know, I know he, he's not going to get a ton of attention, but I thought Elijah Collins ran really well in there. He got a much deserved um, series with, the, with that touchdown run where he got the ball every time. But um, yeah, I think they have to feel pretty, pretty decent about the run game moving forward. Um, and then, you know, Obviously, there, there are some concerns about uh, Peyton Thorne's accuracy so far. Um, we saw a little bit of that in the opener, although he threw for four touchdowns. And then uh, last week, zero touchdowns, two interceptions, um, some overthrows again, and, and just missed passes. So that's obviously a concern uh, moving forward. Uh, Mel Tucker won't hear any of that, uh, but I think that's something you got to watch uh, going out to Seattle, where they have statistically, I know they've played. Kent State and Portland State, which is an FCS program, but statistically one of the better pass defenses uh, so far earlier in the season. 17 carries, 107 yards, three touchdowns for Berger, 15 for 81 and two touchdowns for Broussard and Collins, like you said, uh, eight for 57. That's seven yards a, a clip in the touchdown. I was really pumped to see Elijah get in there and get some run. He obviously, I think he probably would have played a little bit more than he did last year, but he was hurt, got hurt in the uh, – what was it, the, the second game of the year on that touchdown run? I think. Yeah, the Youngstown State when he had the touchdown yeah. catch. He got the ball every time that series, and then he, he had, like, you know, the leg injury when he scored. Um, but, you know, Ephraim Reed said yesterday he'd like to get him in the game some more moving forward, so we'll see if that that happens. But um, hard-working kid who's, who's stuck it out. Yeah, I'm I remember a last curious how the how the Bouchard and Berger thing is going to play out too, because I mean it seemed like Berger was kind of a clear number one, you know, number two in the opener, and and last week as Matt said, it was really split. Um, and and I I, I kind of went drive by drive uh, for a story we did uh, today, and they they really seem like they're trying to figure out how to use both of them. There were drives where they'd start with uh, Berger, and then they brought in Broussard at the goal line, and then they'd start Broussard and bring in Berger, which I think those are longer drives just bringing in a fresh guy along the goal line. But they really seem comfortable, either one in, in early downs, either one in short yardage situations. Um, Ephraim Reed said, you know, you – 
He said, you would have thought Broussard, you know, uh, was maybe kind of more your lightning back because he's smaller and quicker, but they said they've been pre- pleasantly surprised by how much power he has, and, and they put him in there on first and goal for one of those touchdowns. So, um, you know, whether this stays equal, um, uh, I think Broussard kind of said that he he needed a couple of games to to get his feet under him after after missing spring ball. So I, I think now that he's got his feet under him, is it, is it kind of equal? Do they kind of cover our roles or is it kind of just hot hand? Um, I'm, I'm curious how that goes. Cause it's, you know, last year it was simple. Let's just give the ball to nine every time, unless he's dead. Um, but now it's like, they got more decisions to make a little more nuance. And um, I think they've got a lot of different kind of options. They could go that way. Speaking of canine, looks like he's going to make his uh, Seattle debut this week. So just throwing that in there. But uh, yeah, it doesn't seem like they have like defined roles for the running backs. You know, you see a lot of teams like third down back, goal line back, you know, kind of between the 20s guy. Right now, it just seems like Berger and Broussard can be used interchangeably, which I guess is good for play calling and teams not being able to read the defense. Mm -hmm. Um, If you want to look at other positives from the from the Akron game, it looked I mean, Kendall Brooks had a big hit uh, on that one. He looks like he's going to fill in pretty admirably um, at the safety position with Henderson out. You know, we saw the huge play by Cal Halliday, the big hit in the fumble recovery. If you're Michigan State, you got to be encouraged by some of these guys who stepped in for the injured Darius Snow and Xavier Henderson. Yeah, I thought I was really impressed with with Kendall Brooks. Um, you know, he had that forced fumble, another one, second straight week with one. Um, and they went at him early, uh, passed along the sideline, he had his back turned, one-on-one coverage, and he got his hand up and, and broke up the pass. I thought he played really well. You know, when you get a guy coming from Division II, um, North Greenville University, he, you know, they had no season in 2020 because of COVID. And you're like, you know, what, what, are, they, what are you really getting in this guy? And this is a scholarship guy. But give, give Mel and the staff, uh, Harlan Barnett, credit for, for evaluating him in the portal. Um, you know, he's a guy who thought, you know, maybe I'll go to Georgia Southern, you know, something like that. And then all of a sudden you're on the phone with Mel Tucker and you're about to play in the Big Ten. Um, so, I think last year helped, you know, you got work on special teams and primarily and, you know, Henderson goes out and he comes in, you know, I know it's Akron, so it's going to obviously get tougher, um, but there were some encouraging signs uh, you saw from Brooks um, last week. The other side of that, though, is I, I was a little concerned how well Akron did move the ball before they lost their quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that, I mean, Credit to Michigan State's defense. They got a shutout, a shutout to shutout. But um, I think their quarterback change had a lot to do with that, frankly. Yeah, yeah. They, they were moving the ball and then DJ Irons left. And that was basically the game. Yeah, yeah. it'll be a concern this week with Michael Penix. Uh, we'll get into that in a sec here. But uh, um, yeah, Brooks, man, you can see why the coaching staff would like watch his tape and pick him out, though, because, you know, they're all about playing hard, being physical that's what that guy does, man. He might, he might not be, you know, perfect in technique and he might get caught out of position in coverage sometimes, but you know, he's not going to be one of those safeties that sits back. I mean, when you're an offensive player on the other team, you better be looking for three, three coming downhill at you because he's put that on tape in a couple weeks here. Um, clearly a big hitter and kind of a good guy to go along with gross. I think so far, we'll see if it holds up as competition gets stronger here. Flip it to the other side. You already talked about Peyton Thorne's issues in the game. Um, let's see what were the numbers, uh, you know, 18 for 28, 28. yeah, 212 yards, two interceptions, 52 QBR. That's simply not good enough against one of the worst teams at the Mac. Uh, Noah Kim comes in for one, one play, uh, throws a touchdown pass, right. Or did he come in for a couple actually, I think. He actually, so yeah, second play. Well, they ran it on first down, um, and Thorne was in the, uh, the medical tent getting evaluated for a concussion. And then second play was he rolled to his left and, and threw a nice ball. 
to uh, Trey Mosley in the end zone. There was some traffic there. I think Keon may have ended up in a spot he probably shouldn't have. You never want to bring more defenders to where you're putting the ball. Um, but yeah, real nice throw by Noah. And then he got uh, he played 11 total snaps, three series. Um, so yeah, I mean it's yeah, all right. It's only two pass attempts and it's Akron, so you know pump the brakes and all that. But I mean it is. You know, this is, you know, a team that went into the season with one guy who's ever played in a game at quarterback, and now they've got three. Um, the experience beyond Thorne is obviously severely limited, but Noah's got in there a couple times now and shown that, you know, he's able to get out there and, and swing the ball around. So that's something encouraging in, in case it, it has to come to him again. This is the first time in a year and a half that I've heard, you know, not not like people calling for Peyton Thorne's job, but just sort of rumblings, you know, that maybe the quarterback position isn't as secure as we thought it was. I mean, I, I think it's a slight over-exaggeration. They've played two games. Um, you know, Thorne last year showed what he can do. But that was a question mark coming into the year. You know, can Peyton Thorne take that step uh, to sort of, you know, make up for the difference of a guy like Kenneth Walker not being there? We've seen the running game be better than I guess we probably thought it would be early in the season. But Peyton Thorne, uh, you know, hasn't taken that step at least so far. How concerned should, should Michigan State fans be? No, I mean, you're going to have to see him do this multiple times. You know, the, I, I, I wouldn't be highly concerned right now. I mean, there is a level when you see him kind of struggle against a Mac team. Um, both interceptions came when he was getting hit. You know, there was the blitz up the middle, you know, whatever, the pressure up the middle on that one that he that he got picked off by a D lineman going across across the middle. And then the first play of the third quarter when they call for a flea flicker and, you know, he gets picked off just heaving one up there. And, he, you know, after the game and kind of admitted maybe – Maybe, you know, you just take eat it and take a sack in, in both those instances. But he's, you know, talked about quarterbacks not wanting to take sacks. But in those situations, you're probably better off doing that, obviously, in hindsight. Um, but I think, you know, those and this is like some of the overthrows, you know, where he's got guys open and the ball's just not on target. You know, some of them, you know, the one down the sideline to Keon was, um, you know, just off his fingertips, probably would have been a touchdown. Was it wasn't a perfect pass, but it was it was also somewhat catchable, I guess. But. Um, yeah, there's just some things to clean. You, you're gonna, you'd like to see him clean up. Um, he looks sharper at times, obviously last year, but uh, you know, again, we're, we're going to see uh, Washington will be the toughest challenge to date. And you know, Peyton's a pretty, a very competitive guy. Um, so we'll see if he um, rises to the occasion on Saturday. That was kind of my question: is like, does Washington bring it out of him? Um, because yeah. I mean, like he, he hasn't been sharp, but he hasn't frankly needed to be that sharp in the first couple of games and you hope your guy is sharp no matter what and brings the same level to every opponent but I mean these guys know who they're playing and I think it's fair to say Peyton played some of his best football against some of their best opponents last year I thought especially late in games when they really needed it so um, I, I think if you're a Michigan State fan you're hopeful that you know he played like he did you know maybe he was playing a little to the level of opponents and that Washington brings it out of him this week from what from what I've seen on a Peyton Thorne I think that's a real possibility yep I agree. I mean, they're the wash uh, the Miami game last year. It's pretty mm-hmm. damn good. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, Jaden Reed. I know Mel, you know, gave his, his classic line with him. He did leave the game. They were play, playing Akron, crushing them. I, I don't have any inside information, but if I was a betting man, I'd say he's going to be out there this week. I mean, that, I mean that, pace? that I've, again, this is just a guess. I, I would say I would, I would anticipate him to be out there. Um, so he, you know, he left the, uh, the Western game, banged up briefly. I don't know if that was back or, or whatever, when he came down catching a pass or, or trying to catch one. And then uh, late in the second quarter, he took, he made that gravel on the sideline, real good catch. 
And then just kind of him coming down, his momentum defender shoving him, he slides into their team bench. You know, one of those classic old metal benches. And he looks like he just hit his back right on the corner of the bench. Um, immediately goes to the locker room, which isn't a surprise. <laughs> you know, it's late second quarter against Akron. And then so BTN reported that it was a cut on his back. Um, we saw him on the sideline out of uniform in the second half. So again, I don't know. I'm not a doctor and I'm not, I'm not privy to the information specifics regarding his injuries. Mel's obviously not going to give you details, but if it's a cut on his back, I would anticipate him to play, but that's just, that's just a guess. <laughs> yeah. They didn't need him to beat Akron. I think that was, no. but he uh, had a good game played. before that. I mean, seven catches for or six catches for 76 yards. So and he had that 87 yard punt return that got called back for, uh, for holding. Yeah. Uh, anything else from the Akron game worth mentioning or any backups that caught your eye when they were in there or should we move on? I think we can move on at least from my perspective. Okay, cool. So looking ahead, obviously this is going to be the first big test for Michigan state. Uh, it's a, a night game, at least for us East coasters out at Washington's Husky stadium. Um, if you look at this series history, the teams have played three times. Washington leads it 2-1. The last time was in the 1997 Aloha Bowl in Hawaii. That was a 51-23 win for the Huskies. Michigan State's lone win did come in Seattle, a 42-16 win way back in 1970. Uh, Washington has opened as a slight favorite against a ranked Michigan State uh, team, which you know I know caught a lot of people off guard. But I mean, you are Matt. You briefly mentioned it. Husky Stadium, which looks beautiful. You mentioned it's right on the water. The sailgating. Um, it's traditionally been known as one of the loudest stadiums in the country. It's a super like tall stadium that's sort of built up on it. And it's got these roofs that overhang. And I think that really helps keep in noise, but the fans will feel right on top of you there. And it's certainly going to be a challenge for Michigan state. Yeah. It's something like 70% of the seats in the, in the stadium are like, you know, on the sides, you know, to kind of trap in noise. So yeah, and I think it's just, you know, the challenge that you're always, you know, you're going on the road. Um, Michigan State has not fared well historically. West Coast, West out West, not just the West Coast. Their last game win out West was 84 at Colorado. Their own six cents. Um, that's counting, you know, Arizona and, you know, places like that um, and Hawaii. But yeah, just, you know, it's a challenge. You're going to, you're going to go more than 2000 miles, four hour plus flight, Um and, and Washington's been good. I know they haven't played anybody, but, you know, Penix has looked really good. And you know, they, they look like a, a different team, obviously, than they were last year when, when things went a little sideways. So I'm not surprised that, that Michigan State was an underdog. You know, it's a toss-up game, I think. I, I, yeah, I wrote it. I went back and looked, too, because I was curious, because I'm like, they played a lot of these West Coast games. And, I, yeah, it was like 2018, lost at Arizona State. 14, you lost at Oregon. 2008, they lost at Cal. 2004, they lost at Hawaii. 98, they lost at Oregon. 1986, they lost at Arizona State. And yeah, the 24-21 win in 1984 at Colorado. Of course, they do have a, a couple bowl wins there, including the Rose Bowl. Hey, six um, and two in bowl in bowl games out west. Right. So in I guess same it doesn't span. apply. Yeah. Well, I guess you know, it doesn't apply to the bowl games. Well, you know? I mean, I think there's a difference. You can go off for a bowl game. You're there for like a week. You get time to adjust, acclimate, and, and versus you know the the quick turnaround you get with the one game. Um, I'm sure that has something to do with it, but um, yeah. Either way, they haven't done well out there, so they're they're trying to turn that around with their uh, sleep banking and uh, banking salt and carbs and all that stuff. 
has that been the majority of the conversation uh, around the West Coast woes? I mean, I'm sure you asked Mel about it. He obviously wasn't a part of any of those games, so it wasn't this team. But it, is that really what he's focused on is just sort of how they get their bodies ready? I know he was huge with the, with the sports medicine going into the Miami game last yeah, year. Yeah, I mean, Monday when, when he got asked about it, he – well, I think he may have even voluntarily mentioned the asking guys to go to sleep an hour earlier. But then he kind of pressed a little bit. He's like, you know, I'm not – I don't really want to go into details. Um, and then of course, yesterday afternoon, Michigan state football has a Twitter video out where they go into details and they're talking about how they're going to wear these things to keep blood circulating on, on the flight and and compression tights. And, you know, the, like I said, the carbs and the salt to try and offset the loss of water on the flight. But I mean, boy, boy, I mean, big picture Mel is always talks about, you know, you need to go above he was saying the, the, do these things that are, are not required, you know, going above and beyond, you know, whether that's watching film or doing extra work on the field or whatever it is, taking care of your body, you know, the, the your body is your business um, is what he always says. And, and, you know, just doing the extra is his point. Um, and you just get that feeling like, you know, the Miami game last year where the deep water, you know, thing that, you know, he came out with after the game that he'd probably break that out. You know, if that was the case again this year, just, didn't want to really go into much uh, leading into the matchup for whatever reason that is, but obviously expects this guy to guys to do a little bit more um, every week. And, and especially this one, Kyle, you talked to Washington coach, uh, Kalen DeBoer, or at least you were in on the call with the press there. What's, what is he expecting from Michigan state? Well, first of all, like Michigan state going there is a big deal for them. Um, you know, a, you know, a number 11, um, ranked non-conference opponent. They haven't had very many like that and they haven't really beaten won a game like that at home since like 2002, Michigan went out there and they beat them. Um, so it's, um, to borrow an Israel phrase, you know, whenever they go in an environment like that, he says, it's going to be the 4th of July and Christmas out there for them. And, and I, I got the sense that like, this is really, um, like really a big deal for them that Michigan state's going out there. So that, that was kind of one thing that struck me and, yeah, I mean, kind of like Matt was saying, you know, they, they've won two games, they've looked good, but, you know, what does it mean? You know, kind of the same thing as Michigan State. Uh, they played an FCS team last week, um, and um, I, I think the biggest takeaway is, you know, Michael Penix, he, he did good things at Indiana, but he had had a couple injuries, and I think people were wondering, what, what is he? Can he be what he was at Indiana, or is he, or these injuries kind of, kind of caught up to him? Um, I think it was a little surprising to some that he even won the job out there, but he wins it. And I don't think he's running like he used to. I don't think he's quite the dual threat, but he's still throwing the ball well. And, and I think he's got the experience. He's obviously been around college football for a while. So um, maybe a slightly different type of quarterback than the Michael Penix that we've seen. But um, he's still a guy that I think can be really dangerous against Michigan State. I mean, it, Matt, what was it? Did he complete 20 straight passes in that 19 game? At I think I think it was 20 straight. It was a program record. Um, yeah. And he looked um, really, really good that day, obviously. And and Kalen DeBoer uh, talked about that. Kalen DeBoer is a uh, former Indiana offensive coordinator in that game. Uh, he and Michael Penix both end up um, at Washington together. So it's kind of getting the band back together against Michigan State there. But uh, a big game, and, you know, they've got a quarterback who's faced Michigan State, who has been in big games against Big Ten teams. So um, it'll be interesting. I, I'm I like uh, I'm with Matt. Like, I wasn't – the line didn't really surprise me. I mean, minus three for a home team basically means a toss-up. And um, I, I get Michigan State was better last year, um, you know, maybe a little higher rank coming in. But 
we don't really know that much, frankly, about either one of these teams until they play each other in my mind. To your point, Kyle, only four rushes so far for Michael Penix, Penix for 27 yards. I just did the thing that everyone's afraid of. <laughs> so I uh, apologize for that. Um, but, you know, other play, your, to your point, passing, completing, you know, almost 70% of his passes, uh, 682 yards, six touchdowns, just one pick so far for Michael Penix. Again, you know, Kent State and uh, uh, Portland State, not exactly a murderer's row of opponents, but then again, Michigan State hasn't really played anyone and, and Peyton Thorne looks bad. So you still got to make the throws. Uh, Wayne Talapapa is their leading rusher, 23 carries, 151 yards. But really it's these two receivers, Jalen McMillan, Giles Jackson, that I think Michigan state fans are going to have to be the most concerned about, uh, particularly with Michael Penix's ability to move in the pocket. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be really important. I think for, for Michigan state's D line and linebackers to keep him contained within the pocket, because if, because if he starts moving around, and extending plays and giving these receivers more time to get open against what has been a suspect's secondary for Michigan State, this game could get uh, could get sketchy real quick for the Spartans. Sort of how um, uh, Jaden Daniels was able to to extend plays uh, for Arizona State in those two matchups. I mean, how frustrating was that for Michigan State that they would get pressure and he would sneak out and burn them with their legs constantly? A similar, even though Penix hasn't been running, uh, if Michigan State doesn't contain him, this could really pose a problem to them yeah and like I think it was Kyle mentioned earlier you know the uh Akron moving the ball early last week that was you know DJ Irons was you know he was creating some problems with his legs um and you know we've seen that like you mentioned in in the past for Michigan State um we saw it in uh, the Western game when um Salopec what he ripped off what a 61 yard run on, on that one and so yeah I mean he is Penix is a dual threat concern but not I, he's not a run first guy. So, you know, I, I don't think there's that level of concern, but he clearly has the athleticism. If a pocket breaks down that he can go out and get some. So, um, but I would be more concerned with his arm than he, than his legs at this point in time. Um, yeah. He's just really interesting guy. And this is going to be what. So one, two, this will be his third game against Michigan state. Um, this will be the third time this staff has prepared for him because you had the 19 game, which was obviously Mark's program. Um, and then the 20 season, Mel and his guys prepared for him. And, and then last year he was questionable heading into it. He didn't play in that game, but you know, they knew what it was. So Mel said he didn't think any of that previous prep was really going to make a difference um, this week. And, and maybe, maybe that's true because there's different personnel obviously with Washington, but they are very familiar with who he is and, and his skill set as a quarterback. So I think there's at least something to that. Yeah, I find it interesting that both programs are preparing for like key guys that they've seen before because DeBoer, when he was at Fresno State, will have seen Jacoby Winman and Kyle, maybe you can talk about that. But um, I mean, arguably Michigan State has played against Washington's best player where uh, DeBoer and his staff have seen Michigan State's best player on defense. So you've kind of got that that little peek into the scheme on both sides. Uh, I mean, did they did he mention Winman, Kyle? <laughs> It's funny, yeah. They had both coordinators on this call, and and somebody, um, somebody asked him about the pass rush, um, and he says, uh, he says, oh yeah, we know about four. And I thought for a second, and I started making the connections, like, oh yeah, Fresno, UNLV, and I go back and look, and um, Jacoby Winman had two and a half sacks against them last year. So <laughs> they uh, they remember that, and then they turn on the tape of him getting four sacks and then getting three forced fumbles. So um, listen, anybody they play from here on out is going to scheme against Jacoby Winman um, based on what he's done. But uh, Fresno State, I think, already knew uh, plenty about him. But you know, I'm not sure they know how to stop him any better than anybody else, but they certainly knew about him. 
I really think that's going to be a huge key in this game. If Michigan State can get pressure on Penix and not allow him to sit there, I think he's going to make some mistakes. Um, and but if but if you let him sit in there, you know this game could come down to it. I mean, there could be some points on the board if that if that happens. Matt, how would you compare Jacoby Winman? I mean, he's getting you know back to back Player of the Weeks. How would you compare him to you know Will Golston, Kenny Willickis, you know some he's of these a, other pass rushers? And he's not the biggest guy ever, you know, as far as, you know, height, he doesn't have that, that length. I think that some of the other guys has, but he have, but um, you know, it's what six two two fifty. Okay. He's just got, you know, the skill set. you know, you've seen the moves he's shown. Um, he's got a knack for getting to the ball with it. So leads the nation with five and a half sacks, right? Four forced fumbles. He's just, I don't know. He just gets there and gets it done. So um, and he talked uh, last week about going to the game, knowing they were going to be focusing on him more. And then he was getting chipped and basically whatever, if, you know, if that opens up one-on-ones for my teammates, then so be it. So, yeah, I don't know. I think it, it's looking quite good for Mel Tucker again, obviously in spotting talent in the portal, you know, to get a guy from UNLV who was highly productive, but played in the mountain West. And, you know, this is obviously a different level and, he's you know against mac teams so far obviously but so far he's looked really good he's been a great addition for them on the edge where they needed pass rush um like this i think we talked about last week you know they moved him from linebacker to the end in fall camp because they thought this is our best guy we got on the edge and he's shown it so far um now we'll see if he can carry it in into the rest of the season with the, you know obviously again the games just get harder from here on out and and if he can be that guy and but so far i mean so what is five and a half sacks would have tied for what second last year, I think on the team in a whole season, if I'm not mistaken, I think Panashuk led him. And then it was like Piotrowski and uh, Beasley were behind them. But yeah, I mean, just, he's been really good so far and he's a, he's a smart guy. He's, you know, obviously leader and, and it's been a great addition for that defense. I know Mel, you know, was downplaying comparisons to the Miami game last year, but I love these huge non-conference, uh, you know, home and home matchups because they're, 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 they're pretty much random in a way. And then you're, you have people going to, you know, stadiums and teams playing in stadiums that they normally wouldn't play in, but it's also, you know, nationally people love to look at these games as, Oh, it's the big 10 versus the pac 12. It's, it's the big 10 versus the ACC. And then when it comes playoff time, you know, you, these games always get brought up, you know, Oh, well we beat you here. You beat you here. So uh, people, you know, a lot of people don't put as much weight into non-conference games as they do conference games. But to me, this feels really big for Michigan state, similarly to how the Miami game was last year. I think going down there and winning that game against Miami last year, sort of not that the players weren't bought in, but I think it really energized them to be like, Oh my Mel Tucker knows what he's talking about. This staff knows what they're doing. Let's listen to them. We can play with anyone. And I really think that Miami win sort of helped propel them into the big 10 schedule. Uh, you could have a similar case this year. I mean, it just feels like a, a pretty big game for Michigan State in terms of how this season is going to play out because the Big Ten schedule is not easy. No, and you know what everybody forgets? They aren't supposed to be there this week. This was supposed right. to be the first of the Boise State series that didn't get canceled till like last summer, and they moved up uh, the Washington series, which was supposed to be 2028 and 2031. So this kind of came out of the blue late, but – um, yeah, I mean, I think it's really cool. Um, the Miami trip was obviously memorable for them. You go down the road and you're playing in that environment with all the investment they put into the preparation and, and just the way they won the game. You know, it was, you know, they were what down three going into the fourth quarter, whatever it was, and they outscored them 21 to three. They had the legs late. 
Miami looked like they were on their heels and it showed they prepared. And I think that really, like you mentioned, kind of boosted their confidence and helped them into having the season they have. And it's a similar thing out here. I know it's not the same challenge at the heat, but it's a longer distance, tough stadium. There's going to be more fans there from from Washington than there were from Miami last year at Hard Rock. But, um, and you know, uh, Peyton talked about it yesterday. He said, you know, when you look back on it, you know, these are the games that you really remember as their teammates, you know. I mean, remember remember that time we went to Miami. Remember the time we went to Washington. Those are things that stand out. So, you know, you can – I, I completely understand Mel downplaying the comparison because you, you're never going to – oh, yeah, you know, because it's a different team, different year, different challenge. But um, it's certainly a big one for them and, and a chance for them to carry some uh, momentum, a uh, big win into to Big Ten play with, you know, another tough game coming up next week. I, I want to know what the the phrase he's going to debut this week is. It yeah, feels like it's a it's a week that needs to like oh, a, yeah. new, like a new Mel Tucker phrase. So you know, if they right. win, um, climb I'm, the mountain. I'm totally expecting that. Climb the mountain, reach, reach the gonna, summit. Yeah, yeah. It's, actually, it, Matt, I think we need to put together like a Mel Tucker dictionary or phrase book or something. There's so yes. many of these these things we need to define. Yes. That point. sounds like a post to me. Okay. You know, the yeah. Mel Tucker dictionary. <laughs> we're gonna have you to know? go. We're gonna have to get on that right now. We got two full seasons. We're gonna have to go back and dig through if we're gonna want to be. He's uh, gonna keep adding to them, man. We should. Do oh, yeah, absolutely. Out of control. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I mean that it's going to be a fun game, definitely. Um, and Michigan State, you know, they have that uni- they have a unique situation where they're playing these. You know, usually you can count on a home and home with these big non-conference games, but they've got a situation where because of the the 2020 season, Miami never came to Spartan Stadium, so then they had to go to Miami, and now they, you know, because of the change that you just mentioned, Matt, they have back-to-back road huge non-conference games. So Washington yeah, will come yeah. back next year, but um, yeah, yeah. I mean, so. Um, speaking of random non-con games, were there, were there, are there any that you guys would like to see Michigan state play? I know they got Boston college coming up. I think Notre Dame is on the schedule at some point. I know we had some discrepancy about that, but football schedule says they are. Uh, I mean, is there like a non-con game that you would love to see a home and home? Just. Yeah. I mean, they can play anybody in, um, Dublin or or Paris or or Rome. (laughs) Um, I don't know. Where else do I want to go now? (laughs) I don't know. Like, I mean, name a name a big program where you know, you know, you know them to go down play at LSU, play in the swamp, something like that. You know, that kind of stuff. You know, that would be that would be outstanding. You know, I'd always like to see that. To them, go down to SEC country, something like that. Go play at Texas. Um, you know, play. I was at, thinking you, uh, Mississippi State, so we could just yeah. have the battle of MSU's uh, yeah. there, and I would have also said USC. Yeah, because you got absolutely. the Spartan Trojan thing going on. Yeah, I mean, um, but obviously that's going to happen now. Yeah, there's a lot of them that would be that would be fun. Uh, making them actually happen is obviously tricky. Um, but yeah, there's a, a lot of cool environment, uh, college place that, uh, stadiums I'd like to check out. I haven't been to, so they want to put those together. Uh, works for me. Well, you get to check one off this week, so that's fun. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I am not able to make the trip to Seattle. I have the dreaded fall wedding this weekend um, so yeah. um it should really be illegal man or at least just put them on fridays like come on man help me out here uh I, everyone calls me a jerk when i go off on these on these tangents but i can't handle it man we only get like 13 of these you know just let us have them uh kyle we got a little basketball news corner before we get out of here uh yes your, your basketball news update here at the end of the pod uh Jaden akins has a stress reaction in his left foot uh not a stress fracture a stress reaction uh, which is better um, had surgery on it on Saturday. That was September 10th. 
Um, they're saying he's out four weeks. Um, so Michigan State starts its uh, official practice on Monday the 26th. So um, based on my calendar sleuthing, um, if he's actually out four weeks, then he'd have four weeks of practice before the opener. And you would think if he gets four weeks of practice in, then everything's normal. No, no really effect on the schedule. But as Michigan State fans are all too well aware, football injury or uh, foot injuries in basketball, I should say, um, often don't go uh, keep to the timeline that you originally hope. So uh, Michigan State is going to hope that Jade Nakins um, comes back within four weeks and it's no big deal. But if it goes a little longer than that, then um, maybe they're looking at him having a late start to the season and um, obviously, you know, ended last season. Well, I think they have high hopes for him this year. I think he's had a good off season up to now. Um, but, you know, Michigan State's also only carrying 10 scholarship guys. So, you know, we talked about this when they kind of went this route in the summer that you're not leaving yourself a whole lot of um, a whole lot of leeway when it comes to losing a guy or two. And, you know, here it is. Uh, mid-September and they're, they're already kind of dealing with one so um, you know hopefully for his sake that um, you know it's a quick thing my, my understanding is that they caught it early um, as far as the stress injury um, so that they're hopeful that it's going to be that four weeks but um, yeah not a whole lot of guys that you can plug in there if, uh, if he's out why why are they adding buffalo to this schedule like I'm just like <laughs> what is Tom doing with this schedule it's insane yeah, I mean, you, you would you would have think that would have been a you know Houston Baptist or Charleston Southern or something like that. There's but, 357 you know, you know, I, teams. I, I, I can tell you. I mean, sometimes it's just who who has the date available. You know what I mean? It, it just comes down to that. But yeah, Buffalo was not who I expected to see in that last game because um, you, you want to win from that game, like that, like that last non-conference game. Like really, number priorities number one, two, three, four, and five is a game you can win. And um, I, I, they probably will beat Buffalo, but it's a lot tougher than um, getting some Patsy in there. I'll tell you that. Southeastern Louisiana wasn't available, um, apparently. But, uh, yeah, we'll get more into the basketball schedule as the season gets closer. Uh, what practice is starting soon, though, right? Uh, yeah, week from week from Monday. I mean, it, it's weird because they're like conditioning now, which looks a lot like practice. Then they officially start practice. Basically, they can start practicing every day um, on September 26th. Um, and then, uh, we'll go from there, but for now, uh, deep into football season. So. Absolutely. And that's obviously our focus right now, but we will, uh, get more into the basketball season, what to expect from the team. Uh, it's going to be a challenge. We know that, um, as the season gets closer, that's going to do it for today's episode of M live Spartan confidential podcast. We appreciate everyone for listening again. If you could please like rate and review the, review the pod. You can check out all of our preview coverage for this big Washington showdown at mlive.com slash Spartans and you know where to find us on Twitter. So for Kyle Austin, Matt Wenzel, I'm Brandon Champion. Thank you once again for listening to MLive Spartan Confidential Podcast. We'll talk to you next time. Go Green!